Um, so this week we're going into our final week of the four series sermon tomorrow. Uh, in week one, we discussed how we have a sovereign God and that he's always in control. There's no challenging God's authority. In week two, when we went over worrying, thank you. You two don't go anywhere. I'm going to need you later. <laughs> uh, so in week two, we went over worrying and how it's a form of trying to have control over things. Um, the only problem is we really don't have any control. God's in control. Um, so we have to trust in God's plan for us and allow our worries to, for, for him to take control of our worries and to just displace them. And then last week we went over persecution and the different ways that people around the world are facing them. So this week we'll be going over faithfulness. Cheery, finally, right? Yes. <laughs> Sometimes whenever um, I preach, I'm always reminded of the first uh, Wednesday night Bible study I led. Um, and I chose to do it on Lamentations, not thinking exactly about what Lamentations was about. And we're going through Bible study, reading Lamentations, and by the time we get to the end, it's like, that was heavy. <laughs> it's like, it was a little rough. <laughs> uh, they were like, yeah, you, you, you didn't realize like Lamentations means lament, like sadness, and I'm like, I wasn't thinking about that. I was like, lamentations, yes. We'll, we'll lament, and then by the end, we'll be picked up, and it just didn't turn out that way. <laughs> so hopefully, as we've been going through this entire series, you've been able to feel spiritually lifted up, but also convicted in a sense and challenged. Um, so... With faithfulness, um, if we are faithful, even in the light of suffering, we will receive a great reward, and many will be drawn to Christ through our faithfulness. Um, with the persecutions that we went over last week with the Iraqi Christians and Brother Yoon and so forth, um, with Brother Yoon, we get to look at his book, The Heavenly Man, and we get to see his progression and the people that he's led to Christ through it. So, like, he was born somewhere around the 50s, uh, by like 14, 16, he got his Bible, and then he was sent to prison, but he was, we're able to read like how he influenced those around him as he went to prison and so forth. So we get to see the turnaround of his faithfulness. With the Iraqi Christians, we might not be able to see that right now. We don't know the amount of people that they've influenced with how faithful they've been to Christ. I believe that eventually we're going to see the outcome of their persecution and be able to see like even more millions than what have been persecuted follow Christ. Um, in the same manner, uh, the persecutions that we face today on a daily basis um, and the way we react can plant a seed to draw someone closer to Christ. Uh, when we follow Christ, regardless of the circumstances that we're in, we show our faithfulness to Christ and the trust that we have in him. Um, 
whenever I first started doing youth, uh, at times it was discouraging. And it's like, like, man, one person came last week. And it, it can be like really um, humbling at times to do youth. And one thing that pastor told me, which I always think about, is you plant the seed. You don't know when the plant is going to sprout and the flowers are going to grow or when things are going to bloom. You may never see it bloom, but you've planted the seed so that later on in their life, hopefully they go to Christ and they remember all the teachings that you had prior to that point. Um, So the amount of faithfulness that we show as leaders helps to influence those that are younger as well. Um, So sometimes we're going to be tested. There are moments where um, we're going to be tested with the faithfulness that we have to God and the trials that we face are never meant to turn us away from God. Rather, they're meant to draw us closer to him, realizing that he is the light in our lives and when things are dark, He's there standing with us. Um, I don't have a ship in this illustration, but it's dark. Um, And there's a lighthouse. Um, So it's like a ship in the ocean whenever it's looking for the coast. Um, The coastlines have the lighthouses by them. And whenever ships are approaching, they look for the lighthouse to see where the coastline is. And it can be like pitch dark, stormy, which I really like the stormy aspect of that photo. It kind of shows how the chaos of the ocean or our lives are like throwing us all sorts of places, but you still have the lighthouse shining out to the ship. And you can view in this aspect Christ being the lighthouse, always shining his light out to you. So even though things may seem dark or life may seem like you're going through a rough patch, you'll always have God there being your light calling to you, trying to get you to go closer to him. So even though you might go through a dark period, God is still there trying to be like, hey, follow me. Gotta love my wife. <laughs> so in Second Kings, we have three kings choosing to go to battle with the Moabites. The kings don't follow the one true God that we have. They have their own gods that they worship too. They're stuck in a situation where they might have enough livestock, enough men to win the battle, but someone didn't plan ahead and they forgot the water. (laughs) Kind of hard to keep proceeding if you don't have water. I I think there's uh, some sort of study I've read up on that says that you have three days of life without water. After that, your body just completely shuts down. Um, doo, 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 doo. 
so the kings are looking for someone to help them out, and they found out that Elisha is in the region. Elisha, not Elijah. So we're going to pick up in chapter 3, starting with verse 11 of 2 Kings. But Jehoshaphat said, isn't there a prophet of God anywhere around through whom we can consult God? One of the servants of the king of Israel said, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is around somewhere, the one who was Elijah's right-hand man. Jehoshaphat said, good, a man we can trust. So the three of them, the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, and the king of Edom, went to meet him. Elisha addressed the king of Israel. What do you and I have in common? Go consult the puppet prophets of your father and mother. Never, said the king of Israel. It's God who has gotten us into this fix, dumping all three of us kings into the hand of Moab. Interesting how these three kings are like, no, God got us into this when it's like you didn't follow God to begin with and you weren't planning ahead. How is it that God got you in this mess? Elisha said, as God of the angel armies lives and before whom I stand ready to serve, if it weren't for the respect I have for Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I wouldn't give you the time of day, but considering bring me a minstrel, and when a minstrel played, the power of God came on him. Anyone know what a minstrel is? Harpist. I, I thought about having like a harp playing as I read this next part, but we won't go there. <laughs> I can't play the harp, no. We'll have a little keyboard. Glenda can play it for us. Uh, he then said God's word. Dig ditches all over this valley. Here's what will happen. You won't hear the wind. You won't see the rain. But this valley is going to fill up with water, and your army and your animals will drink their fill. This is easy for God to do. He will also hand over Moab to you. You will ravage the country, knock out its fortifications, level the key villages, clear-cut the orchards, clog the springs, and litter the cultivated fields with stones. In the morning, it was at the hour of morning sacrifice. The water had arrived, water pouring in from west from Edom, a flash flood filling the, water, the valley with water. Now, Elisha di initially didn't want to help. Um, sometimes whenever uh, someone comes to us and they're an unbeliever, we may have a tendency to be like, I really don't want to help you. It's like, I've seen what you've been doing. Why should I help? But it, as believers, we're called to help guide people. We're to disciple to others. So I, at one time, possibility that you're an unbeliever. I was a very, very hard, stubborn one. <laughs> Look where I am now preaching in front of everyone. <sighs> it, 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 but the, the people that you encounter, like, that I've encountered throughout my life have helped to plant the seeds that eventually drew me closer to Christ. It's like, I knew I needed him. And it, we should always take that opportunity to, even though, like, we may not want to help realize that 
that's part of our calling. We are to help. We are to disciple. Um, this, this week, it, it's interesting. So the day I started talking to Tracy online is the same exact day, but years later, that I befriended Brad as a friend on Facebook. So, the, like, whenever I saw that, I'm like, hey, thanks for being around, Brad. It's like, it's great to have you as, like, a leader and a mentor and a friend and always having someone to help inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. So I, I just thought it was so interesting how the same day, just different years apart, it's like, I meet my wife online. <laughs> I be from Brad online. The digital age, it's revolutionary. <laughs> so, the only reason that Elisha decides to help the kings is because he respects one of them, which is King Jehoshaphat. Coincidentally, that's the king that told the other two kings about Elisha. In verses uh, 16 through 19, Elisha's prophecy, or prophesies and tells the three kings to have their armies dig ditches. Mind you, it's sweltering hot. I mean, you're... Uh, I don't have a map of it at the moment. Um, you're in the Middle East, so kind of like a desert. Think of Nevada. Really hot, except I think Middle East is probably hotter. <laughs> so... There aren't any clouds in the area, no sign of wind, and you're told to go dig a ditch for the water that's coming tomorrow. It, it can seem crazy sometimes what God would tell you to do, but you could either choose to not dig the ditch and... I mean, you're probably going to lose out on quite a few men, livestock, and so forth. Or you can dig a ditch and spike. <laughs> There's my harpist. <laughs> um, you can choose to dig a ditch and have the faithfulness in God that he's going to come through for you. Am I going back and forth like this a lot? Little nervous tendencies, I guess. It's kind of like pastor noticing that he uses his arms as he talks. I go like this a lot. <laughs> um, so they can choose to dig ditches and have the faith that Elisha is prophesying and that God is telling the truth. And as a result of them choosing to dig dishes and having faith in God, they have a rain that arrives like a flash flood, and the entire valley is filled with water. There are going to be moments when we're in the middle of a struggle, and everything is going to look dry and deserted, kind of like my mouth. <laughs> and you might feel like giving up, or just not talking anymore, or you could just drink water. But 
if you pull yourself closer to God, the struggle that you're experiencing will pass. There will be water of life for you on the other side, like Jesus says in John 4:14. 4, but those who drink the water I will give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring with them, giving them eternal life. So, at times, this life may not seem fair. If we look over the life of Job, he had everything taken away from him by Satan. He was covered in boils. He hadn't done anything wrong. And his friends and his wife and all thought he must have done something wrong. I mean, look at him. To have lost all of his children, his livestock, disfigured. But Job refused to believe he had done anything wrong. He, he refused to believe that God would do something horrible to him. Instead, he proclaimed that God is a loving God. And he received double of everything for his faithfulness. Despite everything that he was experiencing, he chose to believe that God loved him and knew more, being that he's a sovereign God, obviously he does. Um, when looking at Job's situation, you can see the darkness that he was in. Rather than allowing himself to be led astray, he drew closer to God. And there's a quote that Corey, De Corey Ten Boom has that I think kind of summarizes it fairly well, which is, in darkness, God's truth shines most clear. And I like the little star there. I mean, in the vast space, it's like you have all this darkness, and then there's one star to brighten it up, like the sun does for us and the moon. So, what happens when we stay faithful? Um, in Revelation, um, it's one of the hardest books that I have with reading, other than, I think, like, Kings and Psalms. Kings and Psalms are just so long that I'm like, oh, am I ever done? Uh, but Revelation for me is challenging. Um, so in Revelation, in chapter 1 and 2, like the beginning of it, Jesus sent an angel to John to write the book and prophesy to the seven different churches um, in the province of Asia, which we have a picture of. Um, the city, uh, one of the um, churches is the city of Smyrna. I kept, like, as I'm reviewing everything, I kept pr pronouncing it Smyrnia. I'm like, it has to be an I at the end, but nope, just Smyrna. Kind of like saying you're Zuntite, Smyrna. <laughs> so the city of Smyrna was about uh, 25 miles north of Ephesus. It was nicknamed the Port of Asia because it had an excellent harbor on the Aegean Sea. 
the church in the city struggled against two hostile forces. A Jewish population that strongly opposed Christianity, and then a non-Jewish population that was loyal to Rome and supported emperor worship. Persecution and suffering were inevitable in that style of an environment. The church in Smyrna remained faithful to Jesus, though. And they received this message from Jesus through the angel to John. And starting in Revelation chapter 2, verse 8, write this letter to the angel of the church in Smyrna. This is a message from the one who is the first and the last, who, is, who was dead but is now alive. Isn't it great to know that Jesus is the first and the last, and he's always going to be there for us? I know about your suffering and your poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemy, blasphemy of those opposing you. They say they are Jews but they are not because their synagogue belongs to Satan. Don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. The devil will throw, you, will throw some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer for 10 days, but you remain faithful even when facing death. I will give you the crown of life. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what, is he, what he is saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. The suffering described in verses 9 and 10 are outlined to be coming from Satan, just like when you think of Job's situation. They're not coming from God. Satan will cause members of the church to be thrown into prison and killed, but but as believers, they shouldn't be afraid, and neither should we. Satan may cause harm on this earth, but he can't spiritually harm us. With the Jews' synagogues belonging to Satan, it meant that the Jews were serving the purpose of Satan and not God when they worshipped. In verse 10, it says how they will suffer for 10 days. That means that, yes, they're going to be facing persecutions, they're going to suffer. But the suffering and persecution won't last forever. There's a finite period of suffering that we may all face. But take comfort in knowing that it's just temporary. With God being a sovereign God, we know he's always in control. The pain that we go through is unfortunately a part of life. It's never easy to suffer, no matter what the cause is. Jesus commended the church of Smyrna for their faithfulness, despite the suffering that they faced. He let, he let them know, through their faithfulness, he gives the crown of life. With Smyrna being famous for its athletic games, um, kind of like, think of uh, the Olympics and so forth. Um... They had the crown, which was a victory wreath for whoever won the championship at the games. So the, the crown is a reward and not, should, be, should not be confused with salvation itself. 
Salvation depends on an authentic belief in Christ as God's son who died for our sins and rose again. Heaven and receiving the reward are not the same thing. All who are saved will have a home in heaven. But the reward is separate in addition to the promises of heaven. As we are experiencing difficult times, don't let them turn you away from God. Instead, let them draw you toward faithfulness to him. Trust God and remember that there is a reward for being faithful to Jesus. Believers and unbelievers alike all experience death. Everyone will be resurrected, but believers will be resurrected to eternal life with God. Unbelievers will experience a second death and eternal separation from God. There is a song called Oceans Where My Feet May Fail. I like ending sermons and songs. I, I feel like music is a way to help inspire and just give you a great feeling sometimes. Um, there's a bracelet that we got for Rebecca. I forget the saying on it, but it's an awesome saying about music. Um, kind of like music is a dance of life or something like that. Um, but I can listen to that song for days. Uh, we'll be playing it as um, we close up. But the, I did want to go over the first verse. So you call me out upon the waters, the great unknown where my feet may fail. And there I find you in the mystery in oceans deep. My faith will stand and I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves. When oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace, for I am yours and you are mine. Such beautiful lyrics. Um, as we close, I pray that as we face the different trials and persecutions that this life throws at us, we remain faithful to God, regardless of the persecutions that we may face to know that we are God's and he will take care of us, his children always. Let us have the bold faith to declare that we follow Jesus and we are unashamed and remain faithful to him, no matter what the difficulties may bring. We have nothing to worry or fear about for our God is a sovereign God. We will not understand why things occur, but he will always be our lighthouse, shining in the midst of darkness, waiting for us to come home to him and walk with him in eternity. It's just beautiful. So let us close in prayer, and then the guys in the back will play the video. And if you could stick around, look at the lyrics, listen to it, and just take in the faithfulness that God bestows upon us. So let us pray. Uh, Father, thank you for all your wisdom and all your teachings in the Bible. Um, we glorify your word and you, and we hope that as we walk through our daily lives that we are able to show our faithfulness to you and draw closer to you. And in the midst of the darkness, 
we look for your light and try to help others as they go through their dark periods to be a light in the way that you're light to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.